Welcome to the People Analytics and Future Work Podcast with Al Adamson. Hi, this is Al Adamson, founder and executive director of the Talent Strategy Institute. And I'm here today with Chris Broderick. She is the president of Be Near Global and the former director of workforce analytics and consulting at IBM. Chris, you there? I'm here. Hey, Chris, thanks for joining me today. Super appreciated. Uh, if you would, just share a little bit about uh, your background and how you got into the people analytics space. Sure. So um, I have been in the people analytics space for oh, a good five or six years. And it started really kind of a long time back, really, when um, if I think over the course of my career, there are three things that are pretty consistent. My curious nature, kind of understanding what's happening and why, my ability to or interest in caring for people, this notion of common humanity and what is it that's behind that that ties us all together, and then finally tackling big problems and making the world a better place. So after spending time in, in journalism and nonprofit, moved my way into consulting and, and figured out that this is the place where I could bring all of those things together. And after spending time in consulting, found my way into operations, looking at resource planning, and ultimately in the executive role at IBM, heading up workforce analytics. Um, so that's that's the way I got there. That's you know, fascinating and fantastic. And you know, needless to say, we've known each other for a number of years now, and I certainly align on the, the not only the opportunity, but responsibility we have in people analytics to do right by the employees, uh, as well as leaders and, and managers. So with that, how do you define workforce analytics, people analytics? You know, what, what is it to you? Yeah, I think, you know, initially, um, as I approached it, it was really about getting to business problems and better informing uh, leaders with insights from data that would allow them to make better decisions. So really driving better decisions in the workplace. And as I've kind of evolved in my thinking, it's really um, started to focus more on the employees and their experience and the overall um, culture within organizations. Um, and how is it that we can use data to better inform decision-making around the employee experience and around culture, unlocking truth, approaching that truth with optimism, and then fostering an environment of trust. So. So that's kind of where things are evolving for me right now. Yeah, and I 100% agree. I, I see that evolving in the marketplace. And one of the things that you've built your personal brand around, correct me if I'm wrong, is the idea of continuous listening and understanding not only what employees are thinking and feeling, but you know, what, they're, what they're doing and what they you know, hope to be doing. So just giving leaders a different level of insight. And can you speak to the techniques, if you will, uh, within people analytics that you see uh, emerging? Exactly. Well, where, where you're, you're exactly right. And where that all kind of began was in the HR function at IBM, there was initial work that was um, being done um, as I was coming into the organization. Jonathan Farrar, Stella Lupashore were folks who were heading that up. 
Um, and that was around this, this idea of continuous listening and the thought that that could have uh, an opportunity to give us real insight um, on a more rapid basis to what was important to, IB, uh, to employers and employees and what was working, what wasn't working in the environment. Um, as I took uh, charge of the building the engagement framework for IBM, the, we had this idea that, yes, continuous listening is going to feed right into that um, so that ultimately we would be able to determine and we were able to determine what was the engagement level within the employee population just by tapping into what they were saying on internal social media. Additionally, continuous listening was one part of the picture for us, right? We had an annual measurement uh, survey that we were going to do around engagement, as well as um, had this notion of mini polls, like uh, pulsing on a regular basis to hit regular topics, you know, topics from a leadership perspective, things that were important to our employees. Um, so that, that kind of three-legged stool around an annual assessment, weekly polling, as well as then the continuous listening that was an ongoing process for us. So you had a variety of data sources that you were able to look at over time, and you obviously were developing insight. Uh, who was that insight communicated to, at what frequency, and what decisions would they make? Yeah, it's it's really varied um, depending on on what problem we were trying to solve. Um, there were there were times when information was distributed to all managers. There were times that information was collected from all employees and then used to change uh, entire programs. Like performance management is a great example of that, where employees were invited to be a part of a discussion and share what are the aspects of a performance management that are most important to them. And using that sort that information that was collected socially, we then used our engine to refine what were the key themes, what were the things that um, people thought were most valuable, and then use that as the elements to drive out the components of the new performance management system that's in place at the organization. Um, but at an executive level, whenever the CEO would provide a, a message to the entire organization or to the marketplace, we would mine the social data to understand what things resonated with people, what didn't work so well. And that went directly to the CEO. Additionally, as I mentioned earlier, we correlated um, the words people use with engagement and we're able to predict into the future what the forecast of engagement would be on a monthly basis, you know, for up to six months. And the, the CEO would share that information um, with folks that were important to her, including the board. So um, just a, a variety of different ways and audiences, ways that we would use the information and audiences that would be recipients of it. So... It sounds like you focused on the insight and the change that that insight would inspire. And 
with that visibility, you then employed the appropriate analytical techniques? Or was it the fact that, hey, you could just do something cool with data and we're going to find a a way to use it? Uh, What came first, the business question and the need for change or the analytics? You know, what was great about the organization is that there was a little bit of both, right? There were business problems that would um, present themselves that we would um, either initiate within our own team, vet with the business, ensure that that was a priority that we were going to address and and use these mechanisms to do so. But there were also times when my team would just go off and play. Um, A great example of that is they went out for coffee one day, came in, we're on a call. They're like, hey, Chris, we've got this great idea. We are in the midst of a huge transformation at the organization. We're going to create a visual a visualization tool that everybody in the organization has access to. And it's going to help us understand how we're doing in the transformation and what it feels like to be going through this transformation. And we're going to call it My Week in Three Words. And I love this because it was so easy. And it was spun off of the idea what was it called? The ice bucket challenge. If you remember that, that's what gave sure. the guys the idea to do this. Yeah. yeah. And they would, you would just write down three words about your week, you know, um, challenging, um, travel and, uh, whatever, another word, right. Um, colleagues. And you put that in and then you tag three people and so this could happen all over the globe. I mean, and you could filter it. You could say, hey, show me what everybody in the U.S. thinks. Show me what all the architects thinks. Show me what all the new hires think. Show me, I mean, whatever. You could see uh, any part of the organization that you wanted to look at. And um, it was just a fun way for us to have a sense of what's the tenor? You know, what's, what are people, what's happening um, within the organization? And how does that vary? We could look at how that varied uh, month to month, or you know, six months ago, or whatever. Um, it was it was a good temperature gauge that any leader, any employee could tap at any point in time. Yeah, I that's fantastic. And uh, embedded within that, and we don't have to get too technical uh, on this exchange, of course, but. Implicit within that is the need for a data strategy and a technology strategy, correct me if I'm wrong. In other words, you needed to understand where this data was going to go so you could analyze it appropriately and in turn push it out to the community that you were serving. Uh, Did you put together such a a strategy with your team? Yeah, and I think um, being a part of such a large organization as IBM, Certainly, we had to know, you know, where the data was coming from, where we wanted the data to go, but also inherent in that is, you know, what are the privacy concerns? What are um, the various countries where we have to work more closely? And so, with every effort that we have um, from a, a technical perspective before introducing it, we work through a very structured process of introducing the idea, vetting it with the global privacy team, um, and then getting it down to the country level to ensure that we've got all the appropriate um, agreements, um, specifications that might be unique to particular countries. Um, and, and all of that was a, a standard part of our process. So if we might just toggle a, a little bit, because 
Yeah, everything that you've shared is inspiring me to think about the employee experience and why analytics is, is shifting towards delivering more value to individuals uh, themselves, uh, not only leaders and, and managers. So can you speak to the trends that you're seeing in the people analytics space and what's getting you excited? Yeah, I think at the time that we first started doing our work around social and continuous listening and mini polling, and um, most folks were still doing an annual survey if they were lucky, and, and maybe every two years doing a, a survey around the employees. Um, so now it's commonplace, right? We've got great players in the space like Glant and CultureAmp and others that just make it so easy to to operate in this um, continuous or, or a more regular polling type of an environment. Additionally, there's folks like Tigley out there who are now truly taking um, social data, right, kind of a continuous listening approach to better understand um, engagement as well as leadership and um, other as culture and other aspects of the um, of the environment. Um, so, so that's one space, right, all around the continuous listening and polling. Another is around this idea of network analysis, organizational network analysis, ONA. Um, so exciting to see the work that certain organizations are doing and um, great with the work that you did uh, to, to bring that to the forefront in your recent conference um, to just better understand uh, how people are connected, where the influences are, where the energy is present in teams, how teams, how and when teams are most effective and what's driving that. So love that kind of work. Um, additionally, some of the trends around bias and ensuring that we don't have um, unknowingly, we don't bring bias into our hiring processes. So exciting to see some of the new vendors in that space as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I too am excited about everything that you share, the continuous listening, the organizational network analysis, relationship analytics, um, you know, things like that. And also the use of data that is publicly available that's in, um, that's based on LinkedIn and, and social activity data. Although, uh, that brings the question of, uh, proper or ethical use of that data and and so forth. Without going there yet, um, I'd like to instead ask you about the array of people analytics offerings now. I mean, we've touched on just to, to this point, you know, engagement surveys and organizational network analysis. Uh, you know, we haven't talked about data staging and descriptive analytics, dashboarding, you know, those types of things, uh, linkage research. So there's so much that's possible, obviously, uh, within people analytics now. How would you advise organizations, uh, principally leaders of people analytics uh, organizations or CHROs or, or similar uh, folks, how should they sift through all that stuff? You know, do you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that um, as an organization, the I think what people were doing is creating a team internal inside of HR, um, deeming it people analytics, trying to get the right experts in there, um, a combination of statisticians and HR, um, people with deep HR expertise, 
folks with some consulting expertise, et cetera. Um, and, and I think now there's a notion of moving to more of an, an integrated kind of a function of analytics across a broader scope, maybe um, HR, finance, and operations. Um, and I think that's a good thing, and, and that's something that can work well for organizations. Um, if an organization is starting from the ground zero, then it's important to kind of carve out a space that they can be successful in, um, and they don't necessarily have to um, have all the best technology to begin with, but they can begin to start with the business question, um, pull the necessary data, and begin to provide some insights around um, basic questions. And and you might have more insight than, than I do at this point to across um, organizations, how many organizations are at that base level. Um, but I think that for those that are, are more sophisticated, um, moving in some of these more uh, sophisticated, uh, more progressive spaces, continuous listening, ONA, um, et cetera, makes a whole lot of sense. And I'll be interested to see you know, which organizations are, are first to, to go in that direction. Yeah, and it's interesting. I think, to your point, there is more cross-discipline uh, collaboration now. I'm hesitant to call it governance because I get my hand slapped when I do. But uh, I think it's necessary, you know, given the, the scope of uh, options, particularly when we talk about machine learning and AI. And given your background at uh, IBM, uh, it would be irresponsible of me not to ask you about uh, Watson, and I'm not going to ask you to go into detail. I'm just going to ask you simply, do you foresee a future where an employee, a manager, a leader is going to press a button and a Siri-like voice is going to come on and say, you know, how can I help you? And you can answer a question, or I'm sorry, ask a question about uh, what to do with career development, what to do uh, about to increase engagement, um, you know, how many headcount are uh, you know, in a certain uh, segment of the population, it, whatever the question is, do you foresee that coming, say, over the next five, 10 years? Yeah, I think that um, some of those things are already beginning to happen, maybe not in a voice, but certainly teeing up information that folks um, might type in and say, hey, I need to better understand, you know, an X, Y, Z. Um, and IBM just put out a, a white paper not long ago on how cognitive computing is transforming HR. It's, it's a fantastic read um, and just really exciting to see the ways that cognitive inc- computing is already being put to use. And um, I love something that they highlight as the cognitive sweet spot which helps organizations see, like, what does it take, right? What do I really need if I want to do cognitive computing? And it's, they highlight four things, high data volume, frequent and varied interactions, complex decision-making, and when you're looking for personalized outcomes. So, you know, if, if what you're trying to accomplish um, is, if these four things are in the mix of what you're trying to accomplish, then cognitive computing is something that you should be taking a look at. 
That's fantastic. And one of the things that I'll highlight, and if you have a perspective on this, of course, please share. Uh, when you talk about a machine looking into data sets and analyzing that data, there's an underlying assumption that that data is appropriate to answer the questions that individual uh, wants or needs to know. So how much uh, room for innovation do you believe we have to create new measures? Thinking. Like, for example, engagement has been a longstanding uh, standard in how to measure employee well-being, although mm -hmm. there's now the work of Airbnb and LinkedIn. They're looking into uh, you know, how much does someone have a sense of belonging in their yeah. organization. Uh, there's other yeah. who are, of course, looking at happiness, passion, purpose, you know, constructs right. like that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And I think that's what, thank you, um, th that's where the continuous listening, I think, can be most powerful in that you have early insight to what are common themes, right? Based on what people are saying, what are the themes that are coming out of that? Maybe it is a theme of belonging. Maybe it's a theme of trust. Maybe it's a theme in our organization of security. I mean, whatever people are talking about gives us insight to maybe this is a new area, a new space that we can dig more deeply into and determine, you know, and, and discover that a new metric that we, we didn't have any idea of previously. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting because you mentioned, you know, the rejigging of uh, performance management and you know, I was just giving an example that I'm aware of at Juniper Networks, uh, Stephen Rice, who's now the head of HR at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, you know, talked more about contribution and connection and capability as opposed to this esoteric notion of performance. So you know, our language uh, it potentially is evolving. And I love the fact that you're actually uh, highlighting the language people actually use as opposed mm -hmm. to what the organization tells them to use. And correct me if I'm wrong, that would be of more analytical value, yeah? Yeah, completely. And I think it's of more organizational value, right? Because our organization needs to begin to speak in a common language. It can't be this proverbial us and them, right, of the leaders who have the answer and the employees who just kind of do the bidding. Um, but really that ideas can bubble up from the bottom or they can, you know, kind of filter down from the top. It, it, but together in the middle, we all have a conversation about it. And then together we determine, you know, what are new things that are going to emerge. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So as um, we proceed, what do you believe, um, particularly as it's focused on two groups. So the more experienced and accomplished uh, people analytics organizations, uh, what do you sense they uh, are working on or will be working on in the near future? What do you think their deliverables will be, say, in 2018 and beyond? Yeah, I think that um, organizations will have a strong focus around their the experience of their people um, 
all the way from the time that they're candidates, just kind of um, getting a feel for the organization through the time that they're onboarding and, and assisting, providing tools that are going to assist in a very real-time manner um, throughout various parts of that onboarding process, um, all the way through to the time that they might um, leave the organization, quite honestly, and become alumni. How is it that that connection to an organization um, is persistent all the way from candidates to alumni? That's an area where I think organizations are going to start to, to gravitate. And then also understanding the inner workings of how work happens in the organization. Who, who are the key influencers? Where does energy exist and why? Where is it um, void of energy in certain areas? And how can we re, how can we change things, learning from, from where the energy is in the organization and reconfigure to, uh, to propagate that in spaces that are lagging? So those are some of the spaces that I think are, there's initial work happening and um, and I think will will take flight in the next couple of years. Yeah, and absolutely love it, and and agree. And it also begs the question for those who either are just starting out or in their early days or have had a lot of start and stops uh, in the workforce slash people analytics uh, arena. And I'll even throw talent analytics if prefer that word. Uh, is there, and you know how I feel about this, uh, yeah, for me it's an and where you have the data stage and reporting, you're doing research and you're also creating analytical products, but is there, from your perspective, uh, does there need to be a greater uh, degree of open-mindedness about you know, buying a cell phone uh, in people analytics as opposed to buying a rotary dial phone? Do you see that, ironically, <laughs> do, you see that, <laughs> do you see that emerging as a, um, you know, a, a trend where, hey, we're just going to do for this life cycle, we're going to go right after this life cycle analytics right out of the gate, and we're going to create new innovative measures because we don't want to you know, trudge along and try and create a dashboard that is going to have a small uptick and it's not going to provide real value to the business or the employees that we're just going to go, you know, more for the more impactful work right out of the gate. Uh, do you see that either happening or would you advise uh, leaders to think about taking that approach? Well, I think there are players in the field now that make that um, very possible mm -hmm. uh, in terms of, you know, one of the big hurdles all along was, um, you know, getting the data right. And, you know, players like One Model are out there that, that make that process uh, pretty rapid um, to bring various different, to bring data from various different um, sources within an organization and, and stage that up, aggregate it so that then they can um, provide some meaningful insights. Um, there are others like Vizier out there as well. So um, exciting things that people can do by, um, moving with vendors that are, are making it possible for oftentimes a very reasonable cost. So they can spend less time you know, wrestling with the data and more time telling stories around it and inspiring change. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, the idea that you, depending on, on which, you know, what tool you go out there and get, but that business analysts, people who don't necessarily have a statistical background can answer some pretty, 
foundational um, questions and even beyond foundational questions, but to um, important fundamental questions that need to be answered around talent analytics uh, just by tapping into data that's been aggregated within a particular tool and then um, has some, some key questions that are baked right into that that application. Got it. So as we start to wrap up now, can you uh, give our listeners just an idea of what uh, Be Near Global is all about and what services you provide? Sure. So as you may have gleaned from our conversation, my real focus is strengthening that tie between companies and their people. And Be Near Global got three things Um that are aiming to do, right? Unlocking the truth within organizations, approaching that truth with optimism, and then fostering an environment of trust. Because the focus areas um, in terms of offerings that we provide are around building a people's strategy, right? Addressing employee engagement efforts, whether that's building from the very beginnings or addressing some of the challenges that you're experiencing with an existing engagement effort, um, focusing on culture and the aspects of that culture, as well as then finally, how is it that you would approach social analytics in today's world? Love it. Fantastic. And how can people get in touch with you? People can get in touch with me through my website, which is www.beneerglobal.com. And you're prominent on LinkedIn as well, I will add. And uh, so, Chris, I super appreciate you sharing today and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. Thanks so much, Al. All right. Thank you all for listening and uh, see you uh, next month in Chicago, May 17th and 18th at Employee Experience and Culture 2017. And the next People Analytics Future of Work conference will be in September in Philadelphia. So check out pafow.com, P-A-F-O-W.com to learn more. Thank you. Thanks for joining the People Analytics and Future of Work podcast with Al Adamson. To find other podcasts, videos, upcoming events, and to join the Global People Analytics Network, please visit us at globalpeopleanalytics.net.